an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and uh, today we've got a couple people here in the studio. We've got Kevin here with us. Howdy, y'all. And we have Matt here with us. Hi, thanks for having us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Tanker, zoning aficionado and uh, developer with uh, Labeled Living. Yeah, yeah. So today is Tuesday. Today is Talk of the Town. This is where we discuss issues that are going to be potentially local to you, issues that are popping up around New York State, maybe in your town, your village, your city. And I think we all have experienced zoning in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, and I've been wanting to do an episode on zoning for so long. I, like, I, I love to, to read about this and talk about this because, again, this is something that like your local governments are, are affecting what you're able to build and do in your neighborhoods. And uh, it affects a lot of portions of your life. So we wanted to bring uh, Matt in here to, to be able to talk about some of that. And uh, Matt, could, could you just talk about like, you know, what... We want to talk a little bit about like the history of zoning and like what zoning's used for, and you know what your experience in that is. Sure. So um, the source of all zoning in the country is the police power of municipalities. Um, that's how it was justified by the Supreme Court in 1926. The um, Euclid case. Yeah, and so uh, zoning has been referred to basically ever since then in the United States as Euclidean zoning, which is basically to say you can use this piece of land to do one thing and this piece of land to do another thing, and never the two shall shall meet. Um, and it was its place in Ohio, a town, uh, uh, Euclid, Ohio, had rezoned, had, had tried to set aside a piece of land for residential uses, um, and a company owned it and wanted to build a factory there, um, Ambler. I don't even remember what their factory was supposed to do, but they wanted to build a factory there, and they um, sued the town for basically devastating their property values because they said, well, as residential, this land is is worthless, but as a factory, we could be making a whole bunch of money. We'd have jobs. We'd have all this stuff. Uh, went all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court decided in favor of the town that, no, they absolutely can say that this piece of land is usable only for this and that piece of land is usable only for that. Um, and zoning proliferated pretty rapidly from from there to now where almost everywhere in the country has has zoning. Interesting. So is there anywhere in the country that doesn't have zoning? So most famously, Houston um, okay. has no zoning code. Um, they have a whole bunch of laws about what you can and can't do anyway, though. So, yeah. and, well, and they also have things like private like covenant, housing covenants, too, which is – I was listening to that on like a market urbanism podcast yesterday, and I'm like, oh, that kind of just sounds like zoning with extra steps. But Yeah, that's um, – anywhere where um, – state powers are a little weaker you see more of that so you know hoas aren't super common in new york state i mean they're a thing but they're not incredibly common um in other places like colorado or florida they're really really common because that's kind of the source of that very local 
um, power. It's not that this an area wasn't zoned for residential; it was. But but who's in charge of really enforcing that is is an HOA and not really a municipality. So so it sounds like there are some areas without zoning, but realistically, with other regulations and stuff, it's not truly not zoned. Yeah, well, I mean, anything that you're going to build has like multiple layers of code it needs to go through. So in New York, and just because I know this, um, uh, the town of Caroline, which is um, just south of Ithaca, um, has no zoning code. So you could theoretically show up and propose anything. And um, people still live there. Uh, yeah. People still yeah, yeah. Stuff like, do still commerce there. there. They have roads. Yeah, um, they have and, all of okay. that. Just making sure. But yep. but zoning isn't the only thing. I mean, if you want to build something, it, it needs to meet building code, too, sure. which is enforced yep. at the state level, not the local level. Um, so it, even though there's no zoning, you're still limited in some to some degree to what you can do. And then a place like Caroline's very rural. Um, there's no, to my knowledge, there's no sewer system there. So, you know, there are other rules about, about septic systems and how much, you know, land you need to support a number of bedrooms and, and all of those kinds of regulations um, that I'm not particularly well versed in. So I don't want to go too deeply into it, but there's still limits on what you could potentially do there. You're not going to show up and, and build a skyscraper per se. I mean, there's a sure. certain amount of infrastructure required to do that. Right. And, and you know, there are like... You know, just to to talk about some of the like that, like the Yuku case specifically. If you were to build a factory in some neighborhoods, like that, that does pose some negative externalities, right? It absolutely does. And I mean, one of the many early claims about zoning was that it it was to prevent that sort of thing. That you know, someone wouldn't pick a residential neighborhood and uh, you know tear down a bunch of houses and and build a, a glue factory or, or something noxious. And that's always only been a really small part of the story. I mean, it was kind of a public claim, but really, it's always been about property values. Right. Um, because at the end of the day. Not having factories near residential um, makes it harder to get to jobs, too, right? I mean, when everyone could live near a factory and walk to work, that enabled a certain level of lifestyle that is more challenging if you have to also, say, own a car and drive to right. a job outside of town. So it's funny. The, the village I went to high school, it's a place called Oriskany, New York, between Rome and Utica. And there's a big factory right in the middle of the village. It's called Waterbury Felt. And at one point in time, everyone who lived in the village, most people just like walked to that factory as they walked to work. And that was, yeah. that was a normal experience. And yeah, you know, and, and I think that points to some stuff we talk about often on the show where zoning, and I'm sure we'll get into this in one of the other segments, how zoning can negatively impact communities by, by separating people from their job. Meaning, you know, if you don't have a car, how are you going to get there? Maybe public transportation, not so much where we live, you know, and that, that causes problems. And we see that in like poor right. communities. Or, you know, or just challenges opening businesses or building a home. And, and, you know, part of what the reason I reached out to you initially, and we're going to talk about this later, is like, you know, how much effort it takes to comply with regulations, specifically in the city of Rochester. But, you know, this is something that, you know, you'll see in many other towns. Like it, it almost becomes impossible to build something we'd call by right, right? It's challenging. And so, I Technically, discretionary zoning is illegal, um, that you have to zone a piece of land. If you have zoning, you, it's not illegal everywhere. The UK is discretionary zoning. It's everything you want to do in a town is, is reviewed by a board, you know, mm -hmm. by a town board, and they say whether you can do it or not. In the US, discretionary zoning is illegal. Um, you have to zone a piece of land for something. If you have zoning, you right. have to zone a piece of land for something, and you have to um, say what you can and can't do with it. Um, admittedly, some things say you could do this, 
anything we don't list here, you can't do kind of thing. It, it, but basically, it has to be inclusive and exclusive, and it has to be assigned something. You can't just have a piece of land that you say, well, come to us and ask. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, there's nothing saying that your zoning has to actually be set up in a way that someone could show up and really do the things you're saying are allowed there, and that's kind of how that is worked around. Yeah, and so, and I want to make sure we cover this. In a practical sense, how it ends up working out in a lot of cities is you'll have zoning that will be like single-family housing zoning and then multifamily housing zoning uh, and then some sort of commercial zoning on a lot of cases and then manufacturing zoning. Is that That's in- correct? incredibly common, yeah. The, I mean, the three that everyone's used to is basically single-family, commercial, and industrial, wherein yeah. commercial may or may not allow some amount of multifamily, and that's mm-hmm. really typical, yeah. Yeah, because that's I mean that's how it is in, in most places. At least in the city of Rochester is that way. Yeah. I don't know the zoning codes in some of the other towns as well, but though, right? They're like subsets of that, like yeah. R one, R two. Then you got like yeah. mixed one, mixed use, and then I don't know when oh, I yeah, look at the map, stuff, there's yeah. just like all oh, sorts a bunch of, of colors stuff. And... Yeah, colors. It's pretty. It's nice, you know. But Good. yeah, represents a lot of barriers. I think. Yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, I mean, yeah. That, so you you work in this space uh, and. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, poses some interesting challenges. Uh, wherever you're building is trying to, to figure out, like, what, what's the proper use for this space in, in, in addition to some of the additional requirements that, that you have to comply with. Um, yeah, so as a small developer, one of the things I'm trying to navigate is how, how to comply with zoning code, how to come up with a project that is of right and what's allowed, because even if it might be more profitable to, say, build eight units, there's also the overhead of doing all of the zoning and dealing with design changes and neighborhood asks and all of that. And so, um, you know, if you're doing a 100-unit building, you can budget in a, a couple of years' worth of going through zoning and things, and, and that's part of the reason that drives – that's part of what drives costs of new housing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a non-zero number, um, and it's different everywhere. In some places, it's significantly higher than in others. Um, but as someone who's trying to do smaller projects, there's not – really that kind of wiggle room and and so yeah one of the big a lot of stuff is one in the design phase of of figuring out what can be done how to hit that you know and and moving forward as quickly as possible being nimble i guess being nimble yeah all right yeah so we're gonna take our first break of the hour uh when we come back we're gonna be talking about more zoning and matt we're gonna talk about what type of development you do and then you can give us some examples about uh some of the zoning you're going through especially a year or more to get through zoning that sounds awful we're going to talk about that and more when we come back on radio free new york You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We have Kevin in studio. We have Matt in studio. And uh, Kevin's probably favorite topic, I think, is zoning. Uh, I don't know. Kevin always wants to talk. Nerding out about, like, some of the local policy stuff, uh, but particularly zoning. But one one of the questions that I always get... Especially when I'm talking to kind of libertarian conservative types, people who are concerned with like trying to bring government down to a local level is they say like, okay, like why – 
what 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 is the the conflict between individual property rights like what should i be able to do with my land and then how much a local government should be able to set the rules for what individuals can do with the land that they own and then you get other situations like what's going on in the state of california where they are uh they, i don't know if they did did they prohibit single family zoning in california they haven't but, but um, they, they washington state did, yeah i believe and, and, and the city of minnesota in virginia has. too yeah and yeah in minnesota and, and there's other state type zoning right you could you could look at the ban on fracking as a type of zoning ban as well in new york state well a, a ban on some individual some activity right use on your property right yeah, so absolutely. but 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 you know we'll, we'll keep the zoning sure. <laughs> too much to fracking <laughs> yeah. today uh but but uh you know i, I want to hear your thoughts on that like specifically uh, these states and and uh, uh other places that are banning uh single family zoning and, and what that means of individual rights versus local control and what your thoughts are on that Sure. So, I mean, I think those are two distinct levels, right? I mean, if if a state were to say, if New York were to ban single-family zoning tomorrow, say every place has to allow at least two units, um, there's a couple things going on. One, to my knowledge, they, they don't remove all of the other restrictions on this. So just to, to bring it to Rochester, because I know the number on yeah. this, you know, uh, two families are allowed of right in R2 zoning. You still need a 6,000-square-foot lot to do that on legally. Um, even if tomorrow New York State came through and said, all right, you know what, you're not allowed to have single-family zoning. Your R1 has to allow doubles, too. There's nothing, to my knowledge, stopping the city from making that same um, lot size limit of yeah. 6,000 square feet, and that's larger than most of the historic lots in the city. And so all of a sudden, it's not really going to change anything. Um, but you know where it splits is, yeah, locally, you could say, all right, um, yeah, you're taking away control locally, but you're giving it back even more hyper-locally to a homeowner that could then build an apartment for their grandmother um, for income so that they can afford to stay in their house instead of being displaced. Um, on the very individual level, eliminating those kinds of rules are, are you know, uh, freeing, if you will. Yeah. So, like, if you, if I, you know, had a single family home somewhere and I wanted to build an uh, accessory dwelling unit or something like that, right? Yep. It, it would, I, I would no longer be prohibited from building that because I am limited to single family housing on my lot. As long as I met with the other requirements, I would be able to to do that. If if the state were to remove those restrictions. Correct. Yeah, and I, I want to bring in a comment here, Garrett, on YouTube. He says, uh, if if we're going to have zoning and code enforcement, um, could uh, there might be a little typo in here, so I'm going to paraphrase. Um, could it be most efficient to have it run on a county level, especially for rural counties? So I think what his question is, should zoning be township by township and city by city and, and maybe state level as well? Or could it be county level? And is that close enough to the people, but farther, far enough away from centralized control that people still have a voice? Um. I, I don't I've not really thought about that, but I also am not sure it would be workable. Counties are maybe too varied for it to work, right? Okay. I mean, if you look at the single family zoning in Brighton or Ronacoit, it is wildly different than the single family zoning in the city of Rochester, and probably for good reason. And so there's I, I don't know for the same reason that um county wide school districts doesn't really seem to have caught on. I sure. think it would be yeah. I think zoning would run yeah. into the same challenges. So, so like a town like Wheatland just has fundamentally different requirements about like infrastructure that needs to be built for single family housing versus multi-unit probably different sure. population density yeah. different and and just industries. different goals. I mean, yeah. if if you had one commercial zoning for the whole county, 
would you really want a drive through at the corner of, you know, Winton and Maine versus a drive through somewhere right next to Wheatland, you know, and, and would it be as big of a problem? You know, even I acknowledge that there are places that are, are you know, pretty car oriented and that's kind of how they're going to be for the foreseeable future. I, I wouldn't want the zoning to either not allow a Taco Bell to be built in Webster or force one to have to be built you know, right at a busy intersection downtown in Rochester. Yeah, I mean, I see, like, I, I, again, I live in the city. I live in uh, North Witten Village, and we, we get that every once in a while. Like, should should something like a Starbucks with a drive-through be prohibited on, uh, I think there's Witten and Blossom is where they're thinking of building one right now. Yeah. You know, should, should that be prohibited there? And, like, part of me, like, thinks, like, well, you should be able to build what you want. But the other part of me is like, ah, you know, I, it is a little funny for some of that neighborhood, but maybe there it's, like, car-oriented enough that it's not a big deal. But, you know, again, how, how much leeway should we give to, to people who want to be able to do what they want and determine the most profitable use of their own property versus like maintaining character of a neighborhood for instance yeah and it's i mean it's a real challenge when you want to build a fence on your lot on your home around your home you want it to be easy and straightforward when yes. your neighbor wants to build a fence you want it to be challenging like it's it's yes, really i want to be stuff. able to go yell at the zoning board about it right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting. You know, we talk about the fence thing, and the fence thing in Rochester is actually a pretty big challenge. There are a lot of rules about uh, fences in Rochester. I had no idea. I wanted to repair a fence that was was clearly not constructed under Rochester code initially, and it was crazy. And the code officer basically told me, "Just build the fence and don't tell anybody." Like, like that, that was that was their recommendation. They're like, "Listen, just build the fence." Don't tell anybody. And and the contractors and they showed up. They're like, oh yeah, like nobody does this in the city. Like nobody actually follows the code because it's just too ridiculous. Ask forgiveness, like, not permission. Type yeah, of yeah. I mean, when, when I hear stuff like that, I think like, okay, like our our code is fundamentally broken. Then, like, yep. if, if it's not going to be functional, where you get a lot of non-compliance, then mm -hmm. you know, at that point, it's like, what, what's the, what's the purpose of the rule other than to like punish people who get too noisy or something? Yeah, and it, it's it's just kind of weird. I'm, I'm sure somebody yeah. had a reason for it, but it's like your fence can't be beyond the furthest back part of your home. So if you have it midway up your home, like that's against zoning. And then if it's past your home, there's a different zone for there. But my property clearly has one fence on the corner, another fence like beyond the limit of the house. And it's like, okay, so this has happened. Clearly people are doing this. Then somebody decided it wasn't okay. So it's just, yeah. I don't know. So I'm sure you've seen stuff like this. Sure. I mean, like so many rules, a lot of them exist to have some sort of enforcement mechanism if things go horribly awry, right? Um, it's like the noise ordinance. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you had four guys living in a house quietly, nobody even notices, whatever, you're fine. If you have four guys throwing parties all the time, that's what the noise ordinance is for. Um, if you build a very attractive, if somewhat illegal fence, probably no one's going to say anything. It's not a big deal. Um, chain link fences are not allowed anywhere in the city. You need permission to put one in. Like, you have really? to go get a variance. Yeah. Oh, the, um, for I, aesthetic I purposes. A, I live next to a park. The park, the city built a chain link fence. Of course. <laughs> they may or may not have pursued a variance to do that. Um, do as I say, not as I do. But Kevin. here's the thing. <laughs> you throw up you throw up a barbed wire fence on your front yard because, you know, hey, stay off my lawn. Now all of a sudden your neighbors have a mechanism by which to Listen, If to I do want to build a gun turret on my front lawn, like why can't I? <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting, though, like, and you bring up a barbed wire fence, you know, 
that could have been their intent for the chain link fences, but if it wasn't defined properly, somebody could make the argument that the barbed wire fence is okay, but maybe the chain link fence isn't. You know, it, it's <laughs> always possible to make such an argument. I mean, honestly, your gun turret would have to go in the backyard because accessory uses are only allowed in a oh, completely in a rear yard. But once <laughs> no, it's there, I know. <laughs> it might not even have a height limit. I mean, you can build a windmill <laughs> as tall as you want in your backyard. There's no, there's not a height Wait, limit really? on them. Yeah, really. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, man, I want to build a windmill now. All right, let's do go, it. Go for it. Yeah, and, and it's for the environment. So yeah, no, it's great. Know. Yeah, a good windmill. I get some chickens. Yep. Which yep. I know Rochester's actually pretty good about getting chickens too, which is they a weird are... thing. And in other places, you need a variance to to get chickens, like in Arondequoit. Yeah, it's but... weird though. I think that the chief of police has to sign off on your chickens or something like that. It's yeah. like there's some weird little arbitrary like, why are the police involved with my chickens? I I don't get it. But, we're, we're moving a bit beyond the, <laughs> yeah, of the conversation, yeah, we're, we're but, but it's, it, well, I mean, there's all these interesting rules. It's like, oh, this, uh, this is easy and this is allowed, but like other stuff like building a fence, which you, you think you know, is common enough where, where yeah. you'd have yeah. like uh, a broad acceptable use of uh, fence designs that you can choose from, you know, what was going on. Oh, yeah. No, and it's, it's challenging everywhere. Um, Buffalo, which famously redid their zoning a year or two ago with the uh, uh, Unified Development Ordinance, uh, colloquially termed the Green Code. Um, you know, it's, it's brand new, but it, it still has 20-some pages on signs and what you can do and can't do about signs. And you also are not, if you were to go read it, you'd find that you're not allowed to have your compost heap within 10 feet of your house. Mm. And, I mean, I don't know if anyone's still pulling there. permits to have a compost heap, but if you were, you would soon discover that it can't be within 10 feet of your house. I, right. I mean, so, uh, so someone was making someone mad about it or someone complained about it, that's when it gets enforced. Yeah. Right? I mean, you so phone it in. Yeah, well, right. and, and when you purchase property. Because when I've purchased property, it's your attorney's job to notify you of all the things that there weren't permits for. And they're like, oh, this deck, you know, this didn't have a permit. This fence didn't have a permit. This whole... And then as a buyer, you have to decide whether you're going to take on the risk of not having those permits. All right, guys, we're going to take our next break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking more zoning. Yeah. So we'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Listening to Radio Free New York. <laughs> All right, we are back here on Radio Free New York. I'm your host Andrew Hollister. We're we're talking about zoning, Kevin's favorite subject. Yeah. And uh, I I do want to say though, zoning is actually really important. And uh, I'm gonna dial the time machine back a little bit to when I ran for city council, and I was meeting with business owners, and business owners would ask me um, before they were thinking about supporting my candidacy. They would say, well, what do you think is the biggest thing that you could work on for me um, in city council to make it so that small businesses can survive? And many times I would say, well, the first thing I'd like to look at is zoning. And, and I would tell them, I'd say, zoning isn't sexy. Like, you're not going to look at zoning and be like, wow, that's the hottest, most controversial topic going on today, you know, on a national level or a local level. Um, and and I, would, I would hear their stories about... Um, their sign that's been up uh, for many years now all of a sudden doesn't fit zoning and the city's attacking them. Or they want to expand their business or move to a location, but for one reason or another, there was some roadblock. And many of them turned around and said, you know what, zoning is a huge issue. 
um, when I was at the Rochester Chamber of Commerce, at zoning is what we talked about, and it was kind of mind-blowing to me how in tune these business owners were, some very small, some very large, and they, they said they really felt that zoning, the way it's done in the city of Rochester, now I can't speak outside of Rochester, but they said it was a pretty big deal for them, and that it slowed things out. Um, one guy said he was still waiting on his variance from 2013, and that it was just a constant battle with the city. And, and you had mentioned earlier in the show, you had said it could add a year or two to your development process. Oh, at least. Um, I mean, any of the big projects you see going up around town, any of the Mark IV apartment buildings, anything like that, have a planning process that runs a year or two before they ever stick a shovel in the ground. And all of it working through city processes, everything from site plan review to to the zoning, you know, any any um, variances that they need um, to just general compliance with stuff, yes. that It takes a long time. It's not super different outside of the city either, though. I mean, if, if you look at a new subdivision in Henrietta or something, um, there's a, a pretty long planning phase by which stuff goes through. I mean, think about the Chick-fil-A that they've been trying to build for sure. over a year uh, now yeah. yep. on Jefferson Road, a thing, a use that doesn't seem particularly incompatible with the rest of Jefferson Road having <laughs> yeah, been down Henrietta there. Henrietta in general. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but it's a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, it's just something that I think is a is a true barrier to entry that, that like I said, it's not a sexy topic. You know, people aren't, you know, talking about this a whole lot. Um, but a year or two, that to me, that seems like a long yeah. time. So I would pose a question, how do we make this better so that we're not holding up? What, what I see is people creating jobs in our community, people spending money to better our community. And I understand not always, right? Because sometimes the community really doesn't want some project there and, and maybe they fight it. Um, but how, how do we simplify this? How do we make it better? What are, what are your thoughts based on your experiences? Um, it's really tough. Uh, I, I don't know if I can bring it up. I was on Evan Dawson yesterday on oh, Connections. Dude, that's fine. And one of the things that, that came up was, um, you know, there are layers to this, right? There's both the code is written and then the way it's interpreted and enforced by the city, which, you know, sounds like it's a really rote and dry thing but you know what you say is a gable might not be a gable to me and sure. if you need yeah, a gable yeah. roof there well now all of a sudden we're at an impasse right mm. and and we could agree to disagree but at the end of the day if the city says it isn't you're headed to the board of zoning board of appeals to get a variance and it's like that yeah. anywhere i'm right. referencing the city but it could be yeah, so, any municipality so any, any town board or town uh, zoning board zoning, things yeah, like that absolutely. so uh, and you know and I, I we're talking about this over the break a little bit too so like if you if you're someone who's into know and you have the resources and you plan for these types of things like you can you are you think okay i'm going to need a year to do this right i'm going to need to figure out and i know some stuff's going to come back and i'm going to have to get some variances whatever if you're a small business owner and you're just trying to get your sign up and suddenly it's taken you six months to be able to, to put your sign in front of your business because it wasn't quite the right side and you got uh, objections from the neighborhood. Because I know the, the signs allowed in, in at least my neighborhood are, are fairly small. And so a lot of businesses request variances to get a slightly bigger sign and then they get you know feedback and all that. So if you're a small business owner and you're running on a very thin profit margin, that can be tough, especially if you don't understand the zoning code all that well or you're you know you don't have any resources to to combat it. What what are your thoughts on that? It no, it's totally true. Um and signs, you know, some of it is is not entirely open to interpretation for better or worse. Um yeah. you know, if if they say you can have a one and a half square foot sign, 
either it is or it isn't. You know, we can yeah. we can we can measure that. Sure. We're good. Yeah. Um, but there are certainly regulations related to signs, and and I'm not super well versed on the city sign code, but I know this is in there that like in some places, open lettered signs are allowed, but like closed box light signs aren't allowed. Right. You'll notice that some family dollars have them, and some don't for that very reason, and. You know, there's 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 places at the margin where you might be sort of one and not another, and which is it, and or is it allowed? Is it not allowed? Yeah. Um, I I've spent some time thinking about this, and I I think especially for small businesses, if there were some sort of liaison, ombudsman program of someone who was well versed with the code, worked with the city, and could actually sit down with say small business owners and help them with like, hey, you know, you could have this kind of sign. It would be good um, because that's really not how the process works now, and it's it's not how it's designed to work. I mean, if you say you're asking for a variance, um, whatever that variance is, you go to the Zoning Board of Appeals. They're, they're, they're going to say their job isn't to tell you what's right. They're going to look at it and say whether that's okay or not, and if they say no, go back to the drawing board and come back to us with something different. You know, we're not here to tell you how to do your job and how to do the design. We're here to say yes or no, whether that adversely impacts the community. And if they say it does, yes, you have to go back to the drawing board. They don't need to give you and frequently don't give you any guidance about how to have a better project. So one thing I want to make sure we cover, because we're using this term variance a whole lot, but the listeners might not know what variance is. So maybe we should define that. Sure, sure. Um, well, interestingly enough, there are two different kinds of variances. Um, there is a use variance and an area variance. Um, and a use variance is very challenging to get. You're actually asking to do something that is not allowed in the district. Um, say there used to be an office in your house. Um, it's been vacant for a long time. It's now lost its rights as an office. You want to put an office back in, you probably have to ask for a use variance to do that. So so I got a like a, a friend who owns an auto shop in my neighborhood. Uh, the he There's a building that's built for an auto shop, uh, but it has kind of been reverted back to R1. Sure. So if he wanted to turn that back into an auto shop at this point, he'd have to get a use you variance. You would need a use variance. And to get a use variance, you have to prove financial hardship that's not of your own making. Um, which is incredibly difficult. In fact, if you went and bought a building, say that auto shop, there's no way you'll get a use variance because you bought it. It's that's a financial hardship of your own making. Even though you the shouldn't. form is an auto shop, not yeah, a no, it, it doesn't home, matter. If someone matter. you know, if someone owned it for 30 years and it lost its rights as an auto shop for whatever reason, yeah. and they're like, oh no, I really want to reopen the auto shop, they could say, hey, you know, it's been in the family this long. They could show numbers. They could they could you know have a case. For use variance, if if you showed up and bought that tomorrow, and we're like, I'm going to open an auto shop, it's clearly of your own making. You bought it, so you're not going to get a use variance. Interesting. And just just to clarify, a use variance is that the same thing as having the property rezoned? Is is that one in the same? No, or, so no. A, a rezoning things. is a completely right. different thing. Yeah, because a rezoning, you know, changes it to something else and a different list of things that you would be allowed to do. Okay. Um, that said, spot zoning is illegal in New York. You can't just pick a property out of a hat and zone it to something else. Mm. Um, that's not allowed. So I can't pick a house in your neighborhood, buy it, go to the city, and say, uh, actually, could you zone this C three? I want to build yeah. a new Toys R Us here. We're coming back. You're you wouldn't be allowed to do that. Okay. All right. Interesting. So what's, what's the other type of... An area variance is the other type. And the only thing you need to prove with an area variance is that you're not adversely impacting the community. So, for example, if, you're, um, if your lot is 40 feet wide and you want to build a 26-foot wide house, um, theoretically, you're supposed to have uh, 
five foot and a ten foot side yard. Uh, the side yards have to be fifteen feet minimum, with one of them at least ten feet, which okay. is to get the driveway past the house to the backyard. Um, that's the reason for that regulation. Um, but if you had a twenty six foot wide house that you wanted to build on a forty foot lot, you only have fourteen feet. You would be asking for an area variance to do that, and all you need to do is prove that it's not going to destroy you know, your, your neighbor's lifestyle by doing that, which I mean, isn't necessarily easy because your neighbor's going to show up and say it is going to destroy their house and property values meetings. I've seen it. (laughs) But, um, but at the same time, you know, you, you can probably make a pretty good case. Huh. Interesting. Neither of my houses in the city have any space for a driveway going to the back, but they were maybe built before that was a thing, or maybe they got variants to allow um, that to happen. I, mean, I don't know. You know, the requirements for that are, are newer than the city's original zoning. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, not a lot of that. So I think something like two-thirds of the city's housing is older than 1975 or something, right? But at the end of the day, most of it is newer than 1900. There's not a lot of, you know, pre-1900 housing in the city. Um, half of all households in Rochester already owned a car by 1920. Having a driveway was a thing already by then, yeah, although yeah. at the same time, there's okay. still plenty of things built without it. I mean, even now, a driveway costs you three to $7,000, especially if you need a new curb cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're trying to build a $100,000 house, that's a huge difference. Sure. From 100000 to one hundred and seven yeah. in, in a neighborhood, that's, that's a big difference. So, I mean, if you could build without a driveway, that would, that would, that would move the needle. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to take our last break of the hour. We're talking about zoning. We're going to keep talking about zoning. Now we know what variances are, which is pretty important, I think. Uh, We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We've got Matt here in studio with us. Matt, what's your organization again? Uh, Labeled Living. Labeled Living, and we've got Kevin here as well. We're talking about zoning, Kevin's favorite topic, and it sounds like we got some uh, some comments here on the live yeah, stream. Yeah, no, we, we do have a few. Uh, Garrett, you had mentioned, you know, that uh, he says, my rural town is zoning uh, against free-range uh, chickens, uh, not consistently enforced, turning into chicken gate. That sounds Chicken exciting. Gate. Yeah, Gary, right. You'll have to mention what town you're from. I'm curious. Uh, and Sean Phelan says that I feel that you should be able to do what you want with your own property. However, the city should, would have the burden of identifying an issue that is unsafe or detrimental to the area. So, yeah, yeah I, I like that. I mean, you, you guys know I'm I'm generally in the camp of like government, leave me alone as long as I'm not hurting or harming anybody else and like not bothering my neighbors to the point where I'm infringing on their peace and quiet their property values that sort of thing that's that's yeah, where i so, hang out well so that's one of those things and that's it's allegedly what zoning is supposed to be for it's to make sure that you don't get bothered uh, with your peace and quiet but not it, sure if where my fence is on my yeah. own property does that or not you're but disturbing your, point, your neighbors be, it, yeah <laughs> but <laughs> disturbing my neighbors by keeping them out yes like, yeah. exactly they want <laughs> to be in your backyard yep yep for sure uh, yeah. but we were talking with breaks so i i, I want to get to some of the the rural zoning issues uh, that uh, we were talking about over the break too, and then maybe some of the uh, the solutions, like you know, how yeah, how, we, how can we move forward with zoning? So we're, we're mentioning some of the the rural zoning issues. Like we, there, there's these all these like farm cideries and farm breweries popping up, uh, but you know, a lot of these places are, are zoned agricultural or or sometimes uh, other things that that's not an allowed use for the area. But uh, or or it is an allowed use, and part of the area was zoned agricultural with the assumption nothing would ever happen there, um, which I. Th- think is the situation in 
Webster, Penfield. Uh, there's, you know, yeah. this proposal for uh, an industrial lettuce farm. Oh, right, yeah, you know, Webster. Uh, it's, it's like up on Salt Road or something, Yeah, too, I think right? it is. Yeah, um, plank and salt, maybe. It's, it's yeah. out that direction. In any event, you know, I th- a lot of that was zoned agricultural with the assumption it would stay open land, you know, but... But agriculture isn't just the really great Saturday Night Live skit about apple picking in western New York that happened a few months ago, right? Um, You know, it it is growing lettuce in a large building, and, you know, that's maybe not appealing to some people, but it was zone agricultural. Another thing that we run into in in places is, is like I said, with the relaxing of laws about, um, you know, farm – Farm brewing, farm breweries, you know, um, local brewing in New York State and having to use ingredients here, you know, where does being a farm end and being a brew pub begin? You know, right. if you if you just serve beer that you brewed on site from your own hops, is that okay? What if you have a cheese plate? And I know a, me- a number of rural communities are dealing with that too, you know, that this is going to, say, create traffic into their town. Right. So Do that's what people that? say, this is traffic, there's more people in the area, you know, are there on a... Are there going to be any other negative externalities? Yeah, what if they all get it, drunk and yeah, right, and run around and, tipping my cows? That would be well, terrible. Wait, wait, wait. No, you I, could do that. I just want to understand: traffic and commerce in your town is a bad thing. Yeah, well, a lot so, of people are like, just, well, I'm just no, wondering so, here, like the, the, the thing, thing that well, drives well, jobs. Well, let me make right. the argument here. Yeah, okay. Wait, it's that like if you're you're in a subdivision, you're out in Webster, you're out in Pedfield, sure. you know, you're 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 trying to be away from people, mm-hmm. and you bought this house and you think it has value because it is away from people. Now suddenly there are people here and they're bothering you. So what right do you have to not be bothered by having more people around because there's a new business open in your area? I, I don't know. Buy more property, I guess. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> realistically, I mean, you can't control what happens to your neighbors, like what's happening with your neighbors, right? And assuming they're not doing something truly detrimental to you or your property, like, you know, having garbage everywhere and your property value is plummeting or being really loud and obnoxious and you can't sleep things that infringe on your daily activity um i don't know a few blocks away there being a pizza shop or something like that or or, or a farm brewery i do you have the right to tell people that they can't use their property that way I, I'm I'm leaning towards no. My inclination here. is I mean, no, but like, I want to hear what, I, what I mean, you yeah, think. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it it depends. I guess that's the whole foundation for zoning, right? Being able to tell your neighbors that they can or can't do something with their property. Um, you know, it's it's supposed to be enlightened. In some cases, it, it is, and, and in other cases, you know, if there were to be a new apartment building next door, a lot of people would think that their property values are going to drop because of that, for whatever reason. Whether I mean, I think most people assume any new apartment building is going to instantly be like the frat house from Animal House or something. You know, John Belushi is going to come <laughs> flying out a window yeah. um, at all hours of the night. Um, it's not there's, typically there's like definitely that, but... a perception or a perception issue. Yeah, like, absolutely, and we see that all over the city. You know, people that, that. And and you it. get that in towns too. Towns are like, oh well, you know, we want to be building an apartment on like this main boulevard here, and people are like, no, oh, no, that's too big of an apartment, or it's going to bring in the wrong type of people, or whatever. You know, that all sorts of objections to that. You know, and and some of that isn't mathematically insane, if only because you know, say you bought a million dollar house. There's no reason to think an apartment building would actually lower the value of your house. I, I mean, people think that, but it, it really yeah. shouldn't. But at the end of the day, if if your house is on one piece of land, and it's a million dollar house, and you built ten apartments next door, um, theoretically they could be a hundred thousand dollars each. Well, someone who could afford a hundred thousand dollar apartment probably is also still reasonably well healed and stuff. But I mean, if you look at somewhere like Brighton that recently made a developer build some McMansions instead of a bunch of small homes, like 
small homes might not pay enough taxes to support the school district or be perceived to do that. And maybe someone who can only afford a $200,000 smaller house isn't the new neighbor that we want. We want someone who can only afford an $800,000 house. And and you see this a lot out West where it's homeowners associations and, and things like that, where, you know, all of the houses here are, are $800,000. You know, it'd be, we don't want it to be more affordable. We want a certain group of people in them. Yeah. And, and that you, you, we, we kind of talked about that last week a bit. That's where you run into some problems because, you know, it's, it, it becomes uh, unethical in a lot of ways, I think. Um, uh, to, to start forcing to do that. segregation or something yeah, like you that know, through it's, it's just, policy and regulation. Right. So, yeah. and again, where, where do you have the rights, you know, to define, like, what's able to be built in your neighborhood? And if you're trying to, to keep some people out, like, well, when does that become unethical or problematic? Uh, but we do only have a couple minutes left, and I want to talk about, like, you know, what, what solutions do we have for this? Like, in like three minutes, Alex, fix zoning for us. Fix all of it. Um, yeah, fix it all. So I, I think one of the really big places to fix zoning is to harmonize it better with building code. Um, there's an awful lot of actual scientific life safety research behind building code, whether it's, you know, how... Uh, uh, and for for those that don't know, building code, what is that? Uh, so the building code, uh, interestingly, every state in the country has adopted the International Building Code, the IBC. It's not international. It's only in the United States. It's called that for show. Um, and then each state that's adopted it usually modifies it in some way. Um, theoretically, the base International Building Code says that every new building in the country needs sprinklers. Um, some places have exempted some types of buildings from that. In New York State, you can still build a, a two-story single-family home without sprinklers. In California, you cannot. Um, every house you build needs to have sprinklers. And, um, you know, that, that drives costs. Um, but that's sort of out of the scope of zoning. Uh, at the same time, though, from a zoning perspective, you know, zoning code generally has tighter regulations than that, and it would be better to let it, let it slide to that. So, you know, if building code says you only need five-foot yards for safety reasons – then let zoning do five-foot yards. And, I mean, if someone wanted larger yards, they could go ahead and do that. But, you know, you could actually use more Just make space it a space. little less restrictive because there's no legitimate safety reason to, to do exactly. that. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then other things like parking minimums and, and parking maximums, you know, to let the market decide that, you know, some places are going to build more parking than they need and other places are going to not build enough parking. Um, but in general, it's, it's going to stabilize. You know, people, when they choose a home aren't uh dumb if they've got three cars they're generally going to buy a house that's got a driveway that'll fit their three cars absolutely and or if you're starting a new business you'll you'll be able to determine like i don't need to be forced to add 100 parking spaces you know i'll know how many i actually need based on the type of foot traffic or or vehicle traffic. exactly you know because by forcing parking minimums it is a de facto tax on people who, who don't have a car if i walk into wegmans i'm paying more for any grocery on the shelf on east avenue so they can afford to plow the parking lot whether I drove there or not, is that entirely fair? I, I don't I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you're talking about a private organization, I mean, I I always go from uh, from a regulatory standpoint. No, I don't think regulation should force it. But if an organization that's private says I want to build extra and build into my costs, if like oh yeah that, no I'm sorry I'm not saying Wegmans yeah. shouldn't be allowed to build their parking lot but, they just but, but, requirements but, right yeah exactly yeah, Wegmans has to build a parking well, lot like, of a certain size like, for you, the city you get, like a coffee shop in my neighborhood that was supposed to have like uh, five parking spots if you wanted to open and there's no yeah, lot it wasn't going to happen there so yep. all right guys that's that's the music that is the end of Radio Free New York thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me for such a boring topic <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back same time same place tomorrow thank you guys. <laughs>